It's Thursday, February 24th. Welcome to the News Diet, a healthier alternative for staying informed. I'm your host, Michelle Carroll. Today, I'm going to talk about the settlement of the women's soccer pay discrimination lawsuit, the conviction of the men who killed Ahmad Arbery, Uganda's new unvaccinated crime bill, and a new trucker protest forming in the U.S. Let's be informed so we can get on with our day. The U.S. women's national soccer team has settled a long legal battle with the U.S. Soccer Federation, alleging unequal pay. The women's team points to the higher pay that the men's team receives in comparison to them, and for years they've been engaged in a class action lawsuit to change that. Well, it's finally come to an end, and they're considering the settlement a victory. What they settled on was $24 million, 22 of which will be dispersed among the players, and the remaining two will go towards charitable efforts and, quote, post-career goals. The team was originally asking for $67 million, and the U.S. soccer was originally only offering about $9 million, so $24 million is what the two parties settled on. The conversation around unequal pay between the men's and women's soccer team essentially comes down to the details of their separate collective bargaining agreements, pay percentages based on revenues brought in, and bonus structures of FIFA, the organization that hosts the World Cup. So regarding their bargaining agreements, the men's team union and the women's team union have negotiated different structures. The men's union has favored higher bonuses, where the women's has foregone higher bonuses for bigger base pay and other benefits. And then there's FIFA's role. A good example is in 2018, the organization earmarked $400 million for the men's tournament, with $38 million of that going to the winning team, and only $30 million for the women's tournament, with $4 million going to the winners. FIFA is an international organization, and it isn't included in this lawsuit, so it's not entirely clear how the U.S. Soccer Federation will get them to close that gap. The other big factor contributing to the pay gap is that some pay is based off a percentage of revenue brought in. A few years back, the men's team made 9% of their World Cup revenue, which came out to $348 million. The women's team made 13%, which came out to only $10 million. So they actually received a higher percentage, but the revenue was just that much lower. The women's team has argued that the revenue is lower because the investments into the women's team is less. The players involved in the lawsuit have said that they are happy with the settlement, and so this marks the end of a six-year-long battle. The three men who killed 25-year-old Ahmad Arbery have been convicted of committing a hate crime. Two years ago, the three white men chased and shot Ahmad, who was black. The men said that they pursued him because they thought he was a criminal suspect. Security footage had captured Ahmad walking into a house under construction, and so when the men saw him there, decided to go after him. What resulted was a chase that involved the men in vehicles going after Ahmad, who was on foot, before shooting him three times. The three men are 36-year-old Travis McMichael, his father, 66-year-old Gregory McMichael, and their neighbor, 52-year-old William Bryan. All three were already convicted of the murder earlier this year in a state trial where they were all sentenced to life in prison. Only the neighbor is eligible for parole after 30 years. So now in this separate federal trial, they've all been convicted of committing a hate crime in addition to other charges. 
Hate crimes are pretty difficult to prove. Prosecutors have to show that the defendants harbored bigoted views and also that the motivation behind the crime was rooted in bigotry. Well, both the jury and the judge felt that that was indeed proven in this case and found them all guilty. East African country Uganda is putting forth a bill that could make it illegal to remain unvaccinated. Parliament is proposing that those who refuse the shot to either be fined 4 million Ugandan shillings, which is the equivalent to about $1,139, or face six months in prison. Right now, about one-third of the population of 45 million are vaccinated, so public health officials are looking for ways to ensure that number gets higher. The reason for the low number has only been described as, quote, widespread reluctance. This bill comes at a time when governments around the world are starting to roll back COVID restrictions, with case numbers in many countries almost back to pre-Omicron levels. Looking at Uganda, their cases have drastically dropped, with a current seven-day average of 38 positive cases. Last weekend, the anti-vaccine mandate protests in Ottawa, Canada, were cleared out. It was three weeks of truckers, other vehicles, and participants parked in the city's downtown protesting government pandemic restrictions. Prime Minister Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act for the first time to help clear the gathering, which included freezing bank accounts of those involved or donating to the movement. So with that gathering cleared, there seems to be buzz online of people here in the U.S. organizing their own convoys. Apparently, several groups are working to start similar protests, with talks of driving to Washington, D.C., and time to gather around the Capitol around March 1st, which is when President Biden will be giving his State of the Union address. Some trucks have begun the trek, but the size of any convoys is still unknown. But Capitol Police are working to prepare just in case. The Capitol riot was just a little over a year ago, so security is still heightened in the wake of that. They're currently working to put up perimeters around the city and have also been approved 700 National Guard personnel to help control any traffic. It's Thursday, February 24th, and you've just been informed. Now it's time to get on with your day. I'm Michelle Carroll. Thanks so much for listening. If you like The News Diet, be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast so you can always get the latest episode. And leave a review as we all know how that helps boost a show's visibility. If you have any suggestions on how I can improve the show, I definitely want to hear from you. I want The News Diet to be as valuable as possible for you, so if you feel compelled, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at The News Diet or directly to my email feedback at thenewsdiet.com.